Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. I'm your host, Stu Whiffin, and joining me today via the means of Zoom in Los Angeles is uh, Matthew Murphy of Love, Fame, Tragedy and Wombats. Uh, Matt got up nice and early to uh, to have a chat with me and, and we speak about all the records that have soundtracked his creative journey today and, uh, and we talk about the new uh, solo album, uh, and so much more, and uh, and you're about to hear it. But before we get on with the episode, I just want to say thank you to 76 for producing this podcast, um, and massive love to Scroobius Pip and all of my brothers and sisters at the Distraction Pieces Network. If this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, then when you finish listening to uh, my chat with Murph, then go and have a look in the archives, because you will find over 150 episodes with loads and loads of your favourite uh, indie bands and oh, actors, DJs, producers, comedians. Go and go and have a look, and uh, and I'm sure you'll find uh, another episode that uh, that tickle your fancy. But anyway, most importantly, back to today's episode. Please enjoy off the beaten track podcast with Matthew Murphy. <laughs> It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Okay, we are recording. Uh, joining me today is Matthew Murphy. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm I'm okay. Uh, where are you? Are you, are you states? Are you in the states? Yeah, I'm in um, LA. Yeah, I've been here for four four years now. Oh, okay. Has yeah. has has lockdown out there? Um. <laughs> pretty pretty brutal really it's still kind of um yeah it's still completely locked down like no restaurants so no, there's nothing open really oh uh, wow so it's kind of like how it was in the uk a couple of months back yeah yeah there's just been lots of resurgences and stuff like that and you know no, the us isn't like you know bordering off you know that they're allowing travel between states which might as well be allowing travel between anywhere any country in europe yeah, of course yeah fast so yeah it's it's not great but um i'm happy for the time i get to spend with my, and with my kid and wife and dogs and stuff so it's fine okay let's chat records um murph can you tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro uh, <laughs> well, when I do these things, I'm like, 
should I make it more edgy and weirder and stuff? But anyway, this one, I just kind of, you know, thought about it for 20 minutes and just did it. Um, I don't know if it's the greatest ever intro, but the song that popped to mind was um, Somebody Told Me by The Killers. Um, Because that is one of the kind of very few songs these days that has, you know, a good 30, 40 second intro that almost doesn't have any resemblance to the rest of the song. But whenever you hear it live, you, you know it's about to kind of kick off. That's a really good point, because the the intro to that doesn't appear again in the song, does it? No. No, it just kind of... It's amazing how it kind of creates this um, big atmosphere and... Uh, oh, yeah, it just creates the atmosphere for the rest of the song going forward. I suppose there's certain like New Order songs that do that as well. And I know Killers are heavily inspired inspired by New Order, so maybe that's where it came from. I think the name come from the New Order yeah. as well, didn't it? From yeah. the Crystal video. Um, when you approach uh, intros, has that changed uh, since the kind of sort of when you first started writing with the Wombats to now? And I asked that question. Um, insofar as in, in the time that, that that's taken, the way that people listen to music is slightly different. You know, streaming is now everywhere uh, with a, a constant sort of sidebar of you might like this, you might like this, and distractions everywhere trying to lead you away. Are, are you, you know, are, and so many songs now seem to start with choruses and things like that to just try and pull you in straight away. Has your songwriting been influenced by any of this? Um, no, I haven't changed anything to kind of fit, uh, you know, the kind of DSP algorithm or anything. Um, you know, I've written songs that start with choruses and songs that have longer intros than all, but it's just whatever, whatever serves the song best is, is always the right move for me. Um, but I have noticed, uh, especially on all actually well i just released a solo album and i've noticed that all the songs are three minutes like if it goes over like three minutes 20 i'm like this is take this is getting on a bit yeah uh, <laughs> there is something with the way that we are all consuming music now that um has infiltrated my conscious and subconscious and therefore i am writing songs that are probably more like two minutes 50 or 240 or you know you can either get even get away with a song that's two twenty now. It's like it's fine. Yeah, I quite, I quite like that. Takes a bit of um, takes a bit of BS out the equation. I think sometimes. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. For track two, but if I'm going to ask you the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Yeah, I um, I started off. Um, listening to like happy hardcore and stuff like that. And like, um, uh, albums, you know, those big, like eight cassette albums you could get from like Skelter or Kinetic. So I was down, I was lost down that path for quite some time. And then I remember, uh, New Year's Eve, I don't know what year it was, like early nineties and someone played, um, creep. And that was when everything kind of clicked and, I got obsessed with that song, obsessed with Radiohead, obsessed with similar bands of that ilk. And I think 
it had such a kind of um, huge impact on me. Like that was really what kicked me off down this path that I've been on for quite a while now. I mean, that's the complete opposite end of the spectrum from happy hardcore to Radiohead. Yeah. Maybe the, um, I don't know. I still do think a lot of kind of club tracks and and like stuff like that does still influence me in a melodic way sometimes, but there was something I obviously never really paid attention to the lyrical content of all that kind of stuff. And then that song, first one that I felt like both things melodically and lyrically merged together so perfectly. Um, and that was like a, you know, I remember it vividly and that was the moment where everything kind of, uh, changed for me. What, what was, what was the emotion of being? Uh, just, one of um like just a connection was made it's like you know um yeah i am a bit of a creepy bastard and i'm (laughs) I'm not like everyone else and that's okay and someone uh who's on the radio who's probably cooler than i am um is telling me that it's okay and yes there was that kind of feeling of uh, community or that someone kind of understood you in a way so would that have been was that when pablo honey come out or was that kind of it's later than that will have been like 90 this is worrying now because i was definitely drinking and i know in the uk it's you really crack on earlier but i think it might have been like 95 or 6 maybe yeah yeah okay. uh, and so where was that where was you born Liverpool. Okay. Okay. Um, for tra- I was born about, uh, like, 300 yards from Strawberry Fields. All right. Okay. And so, um, for track three, we'll we, we kind of sort of pick up on the, the sort of formative years now then. I, I want to ask you what the song is that reminds you of your time at school. Oh, um, I wrote down... Where the- um again i was thinking like oh i should kind of give a kind of really cool answer but the only song that came to my head was my own summer by the deftones by deftone you're uh, i i interviewed the kooks earlier today uh yeah. and uh and he chose that as well uh, really for that and bizarrely uh, uh hugh uh okay uh and in about 90 minutes, I'm doing this podcast with the Deftones. It's quite weird. So there's, wow. there's something happening today. There's a lot of Deftones going on. Um, so so I imagine that was secondary school. Yeah. But the reason why I remember it so vividly, I'm not sure you'd, you're going to want to bring this up with Chino or whatever, but... Um, I was so heavily into that song and that album at the time when September the 11th happened. I remember like running home from school and watching the World Trade Center and these planes hit on repeat and in fucking slow motion, all these things. And all that was kind of going through my head at that point was that, you know, riff in drop C Mm. that kind of kicks off the whole song. Um, And I, you know, I was probably more into 
you know, Idlewild or more indie stuff at the time. But yeah. that's for some reason the only song that I can remember from being between, you know, uh, 12 and 17. I think there's there's something about the, the Deftones, though, that's that's because the whole kind of new metal thing like passed me by but i i didn't put them in that bracket i could hear shoegaze and stuff like that in in what they were doing it, it seemed far more melodic and far more advanced you know in in and i could i would probably feel there was more in common with some of the idlewild stuff than than what limp biscuit were doing with the deftones you know yeah i think they're a great band and it kind of just goes to show that <clears throat> if you have your vision and you stick to it and you make good music, I mean, Deftones are still, you know, cracking on now. They've got a new album coming out, haven't Mm -hmm. they? Whereas all the other bands that were coining it in during that new metal phase are gone. Um, That just goes to show, stick at what you're good at. A hundred percent. How was school? Did you enjoy it? Uh, In retrospect, I did, but at the time, I don't think so. I don't know. I was always kind of, um in bands and uh, like my last few years of school was spent not really doing much and um just writing songs and getting the like bus into town to go and practice at our studio and then getting the last bus home completely like stoned out of my mind and messing up all my a-levels and stuff but i think it was maybe um the, the necessary uh path that i had to take so even at school you, you- pretty sure on what you wanted to do uh yeah i guess i was obsessed with this idea of being in a band though i wasn't really any good at writing songs at that point um you know it took going to like arts college and you know a few people telling me that oh, you're pretty good at this uh, for me to actually kind of take it seriously but i always yeah i was always wanting to do something in music was you a confident kid no, no, not really. You- I mean, I was like, I'm, I was pretty kind of not manipulative, but I played the field like I was in with all the cool kids and the, the kind of jocks and then all the kind of weird uh, intellectual kind of um, Smiths and Morrissey loving people. Um, yeah, but I didn't, I, I guess I never really found my kind of true identity at school and I was a bit shy and a bit submissive really what about drive did you have much drive um it depended what for Um, music oh yeah yeah yeah. um yeah well my, my dad kind of started getting wanting me to play guitar when I was five and I kind of got bored of that and then just started really writing songs and became obsessed with the power they had and what they could do and what they could um, and just the enjoyment and satisfaction of actually creating something yourself and um yeah so I guess I was did have some drive for that okay um so you, you, you mentioned your dad then was there music on at home growing up yeah lots of Beatles Eagles um four freshmen um Stuff like that. My dad was in a Mersey beat band. Um, they weren't particularly successful, but they did put a song out with Mercury, I think. Um, so yeah, he was keen for me to um, to get into music one way or another. Yeah. 
for track four, Murph, I'm going to ask you the first record you remember buying. Um, you can't try and well, be cool with this one, by the way. Yeah, no, I'm not going to be. Um, Scatman John. Uh, <laughs> I'm the Scatman. Have, uh, have you gone back and listened? I haven't, no. But it came up the other day, um, like on a film or something on Netflix, or I, I don't know what it was. Um, I said to my wife, oh, it, I think that was the first single I ever bought. She was like, God, you're so <laughs> awful and weird and I hate you. I was like, okay, it's, it's a great song. Though. Just out of interest, can you remember the first album you got? Thriller. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> first, the first live show I ever went to was Radiohead as well. So um, I had a pretty good... I had a pretty good start, but yeah, Scatman, lots of lots of things like that. Nice. Um, of record shop, I mean, did, did record did record shops become like somewhere that started to become more important to you as you you know you kind of sort of got more and more into music? And and how much do they mean to you now as as an artist? They mean a lot more to me now, to be honest. Like I love walking around rough trade in New York or rough trade in like Hackney or whatever and um, releasing vinyls. And I like want to have vinyls and collect them and they're exciting to me. But at the time when I was younger, I mean, there was probe records in Liverpool, but it wasn't a very like nice atmosphere in there. It was like kind of moody, like old guys who thought they were John Peel kind of. High fidelity. Yeah, it was a bit like that. And so I automatically felt out of my league in there and never really bothered with it. Yeah. But now it's a now it's a very different, um, more welcoming kind of uh, experience. Hundred percent. Track five, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Um. Yeah, so I used to go to uh, like lots of. It was always indie clubs in Liverpool, like yeah. clubs. Club NME or Liquidation or The Crazy House or whatever. And the, the song that came to me was, um, do you remember the first time, Pulp? Um, it would always seem to come on at like 2 a.m. when the night was about to be over and all the kind of, um, <laughs> all the hopes and dreams you had for the night had just died before yeah. your very eyes that was when that song would come on but it was still quite a warm feeling but um you definitely didn't get with the girl you wanted to and you know you lost your wallet or something and then that come on it's a weird song to kind of play a weird song to play at the end of the night because it starts so slow like it's the end of the night and then it's quite euphoric at the end isn't it once it drops it's like it's a massive sounding record yeah i uh I love it. Maybe that's kind of what, maybe it's because it starts so sombre. That's, uh, that's what kind of gives, gave everyone the feeling of, all oh, right, okay, it's time to go home now. But at the end of the song, it's like, no, we're staying. What did you want from clubbing, Murph? Um, just an escape, really. Um, yeah, just an escape for the kind of rigmarole of um, suburban northern English life, I think. Um, 
and yeah, just to get out of the house and do whatever I wanted to do for six hours. And I would always get obsessed with one person or another. And then, yeah, it was very strange. Maybe I'm, I was a bit of a romantic back then. Um, but yeah, but it was exciting times, but I think it was just a kind of escape porthole for me. Yeah. I mean, how does it make you feel? Um, I, I, I've, I've run a, an alternative venue for, for, for nearly 30 years and uh, and I've seen people's nights be soundtracked by your records um, and probably strike them much the same as Pulp did yourself. How does that make you feel, right? you know, aside from when you, you know, you play gigs and it's there in front of you, but knowing that there's kids going to indie clubs and, and they're, you know, getting that feeling of euphoria and, and, um, you know, from from something that you've created. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? But the the truth of it is, like, I I, I don't feel anything because it's almost like I don't believe it. Really? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's um, it's strange that these kind of personal things to me then end up becoming personal to other people. I mean, that is the beauty of music and um, I love it, but I, it's almost like whenever I hear like my song come on the radio or I'm in a, a bar or anything like that, my instinct is to just kind of get away from it. <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird, but I am, it is amazing that uh, the one that has been able to touch as many people as it has, but there's almost something in my mind that, is not switched on to it. Okay. Track six. Uh, if you can tell me a favourite song from an artist from your home county. Well, I went with um, Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles. I mean, that's arguably one of the greatest records ever made full stop, right? Yeah, I mean, it's so exciting. And it could have even been like the greatest intro as well, just the, the kind of seagulls chirping away. Um, I think that's my favourite Beatles song, I think. Um, again, it's just completely timeless, uh, as is the album. And, um, yeah, again, I was thinking I should do something a little bit more left of field than the Beatles, but... Where would you have gone with that? Where would I have gone if I'd have gone left yeah. of field? Um, um I don't know. It's it's almost like maybe my musical taste is kind of more in um, the kind of greater Manchester area than it is in Merseyside. Maybe Elvis Costello somewhere, or um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to, to say left field, I mean, tomorrow never knows. It's one of the most fucking left field sounding records you're ever likely to hear, though, right? Sorry, the more left field on my answer to the question. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I know you what know. you're saying. I know what you're saying. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Just again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is... The songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Okay. Um, well, you get to play DJ now. And, and for your final song, Murph, I'm going to ask you if you can tell me the song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Well, I, I, maybe quite a lot of people do know this song, and I was going to go with something by Elliot Smith, but then I kind of went back to this one because for some reason this sticks in my head as my favourite song of all time, and it's um, Wichita Line Man by Glen Campbell, written by Jimmy Webb, and I think it's like got the best lyric ever written um, within it, which is... Um, uh, oh, I'm going to mess it up now. Um, and I... And I need you more. And I need you more than want you. And I want you for all time. That's, yeah. Um. And yeah, it's just I'm completely obsessed with that song, and it's so intricate, and the way that the chords were, the, the way that the chord progression is so odd, but the melody fits perfect in it. And Jimmy Webb, who wrote the song, kind of wrote wrote a lot of these songs. I think I think he had like six number ones before he was like 23 yeah. or something. By the time I get to Phoenix and Galveston, yeah. and uh, yeah, so I, I think maybe a lot of people my age and older probably have heard that song, but for the kind of younger people listening, that's the one I suggest they check out. You can never hear that record enough, um, Murph. I, I mean, I potentially would say that's one of the greatest records ever made, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's it's stunning and. And it's, you know, it's, it, Glenn Campbell's voice on that is off the scale. Have, there's, there's a couple of versions, which I don't know if you've ever heard, that I would recommend. Okay. So there's a live version that REM do. Yeah, I've heard that one, I think, yeah. Um, that's, that's quite beautiful. But there was a band, probably a bit before your time, there was an indie band called These Animal Men. Okay, and uh, and they they kind of got this lots of hype in the melody maker. There was them in a band called Smash, and they were like this kind of strange kind of second wave of kind of punk. It was a very strange kind of little scene they tried to create. 
But they done a version of that, these animal men, and it's like this really blissed out kind of tr- almost trancey shoegaze, and it works, and it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's not a patch on the original. This a- these able men. These no. animal men. These animal men. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's a it's a glorious uh, cover of uh, 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 yeah, of that record. Um, so, I mean, as you mentioned when we started this, obviously, like things are still pretty locked down where you are. But you know, uh, hopefully, you know, things are going to start heading the right way. And as they do, um, what are you most looking forward to, kind of getting back to, and and what's what's planned for for you? Well, we're still, um, obviously I've just released an album and we start recording, um, the next, the, uh, the one that's fifth album in November. And it's going to be mad because of all the restrictions and stuff, you know, I'll be here in LA with an engineer and then Dan and Todd will be in London with Mark Cruz going to produce it. And maybe I'll be working with Jack Knifley out here a little bit as well. And, um, yeah, so we're going to make an album and put it out, and we're hopeful to get back on the road and be able to do shows. But I have no idea when that's going to happen. And the more I dig into it, it's really not looking good. Yeah. <laughs> um, just take one day as it comes, and you know, from a selfish point of view, I am really thankful that I've had. To, I've got to spend the last six months here with my daughter because in any other world, I would have been coming and going like the wind. Um, and so for the first time ever, I didn't have to. Um, so I've definitely gone a bit crazy, but um, yeah, I suppose just record a great album, get it out there. And I'm sure there will be touring. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like, but obviously I think touring is in the back of everyone's minds and we're all very, um, you know, we're thinking of our like crew and people like that a lot at this time because must be so difficult for them. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, um, Murph, I put together a um, Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast, so people can go and listen to all of the songs that you've you've picked and and, and some of the songs that we've spoke about as well. Um, and if you're happy to be tagged in this podcast when I put it out, then uh, it, uh, send some more people over to uh, to check out the new album that may not have heard it. And uh, does that sound okay? That sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Well, Murph, I'll let you get back to your family. Thank you so much for getting up uh, in the morning to do this. And, no, thank uh, you. And, yeah, and I wish you all the best. Cheers. Yeah, it was, that was fun. And uh, enjoy the rest of your interviews today. Thanks, Murph. Bye-bye, mate. Bye. There you go. Short and sweet, but to the point. Um, I, you know, I was very aware that I'd got Murph up nice and early to uh, to come and record this. So uh, I didn't want to make it too taxing on the brain. And uh, and it was lovely. Just got to have a, a nice chat, you know, talk about the records, and uh, and then yeah, leave him uh, um, in the you know back in with his family in uh, in what sounds like a very lockdown LA. Um, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, thanks to Murph for giving up his time. Uh, really appreciate that. And yeah, we'll be back next time. Thanks again for listening, and uh, and I'll see you soon. Bye bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. 
go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It may stew with it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 